Welcome to Economics Happy Hour. My name is Matt. And I'm Jadrian. And we are thrilled to have you with us again for our episode that's dropping in either very late July or early August. <laughs> We're recording this in a little bit earlier July. And Jadrian, you are not in your normal office environment today. Nope. Uh, I was jealous of you getting to be uh, in a hotel and report from a hotel. So I will also uh, be recording from a hotel, but it's not early in the morning for me. So I will be drinking. Um, it is in the afternoon, but I have a, a hotel <laughs> glass. So okay. I will I will pour a beer. It is on ice right now. So we're going to wait, at least on my side, a few minutes. Uh, yeah. And then I'll, I'll pour my beer. But nope, coming to you from a Holiday Inn Express. That's, uh, yeah, that's right. And this is a rare day because you normally... Uh, promote your mugs and I normally don't but I will promote um, so my uh, my dad founded with my brothers couple a uh, couple of my brothers still work Timber Ghost Realty in the Minneapolis St. Paul area and um, started basically because my uh, my dad was uh, he was a mailman and on the side he, he he bought hunting land he'd build a cabin he'd build a hunting shack and then would hunt there for a season and sell it and would realize when he built the, sh the hunting shack on it and sold it he can make a lot of money and he started just doing that <laughs> and then he it evolved into a full service realty company but uh if you're in the twin cities That's area so, so they are not they are not official sponsors of the show but uh they yet it's a good place yet yeah we're, yet. we are open uh we could, we could we could take sponsors at any time so but the beer i will i am drinking i don't know when you'll be ready to share yours oh and this is amazing and i'll have to share with you and then we'll also have to share it on the screen um, so I'll share the beer first. Good Fortune okay. India Pale Ale. Um, so I got this recently. So this is an interesting story. There's this chain of um, stores that I've never really had any interest in going to. I've been there once or twice before um, called Trader Joe's. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> no, a lot of people know Trader yeah. Joe's. I've been like, I don't need to go to a Trader Joe's. What is their point of a Trader Joe's? And I went to the one in State College and okay, they had some like salsas that were good and stuff. Mm -hmm. That was a little interesting, but not that excited about it. But Pennsylvania has weird beer laws and other states don't. So I was in New York shortly after we recorded our last one and I went into mm -hmm. a Trader Joe's and yep. it's not a massive beer section, but mm -hmm. they have all sorts of beers. They're all reasonably priced. And then a lot of the 12 packs, they'll sell individual cans. Yeah. So I went a little bit crazy with, uh, <laughs> with, with buying things. Uh, we'll put an image on the screen as you're watching this. And they're different beers, right? They're not like, they're not actually regional beers, right? They, I think because they're using like national distribution. So they're these sort of like funky, funky breweries from different places that you wouldn't normally get. Correct. And uh, Jadrian, I just texted so you can see it. So I don't have to share okay. it on the screen, uh, <laughs> but you could watch, you can look at it now because you need a, you need a sense of this um, because they have four packs and six packs, which are fantastic. But then they also, you can buy one can at a time at exactly one sixth of the price. So it's any beer you want to try for an untapped fan. It was absolutely yeah. glorious. So everybody on the screen is seeing what Jadrian just chuckled <laughs> at here. Um, there was a, I had to build a shrine to the beer afterwards. So, uh, so, so to be fair, when I visited New York, I did the exact same thing, not at a Trader Joe's. Uh, so maybe we should, we should, when Matt said that Pennsylvania has weird beer laws, if you are not a Pennsylvania or Pennsylvania adjacent listener, oh my, are Pennsylvania beer laws bad. Yeah. Um, Generally speaking, I mean, there's so many like finite little rules, um, but like big picture for most beer buyers, uh, you cannot buy them at a grocery store unless the grocery store has like a little cafe selling. Correct. Food. 
Yep. Uh, so a place like Trader Joe's isn't selling, they, they don't have a little cafe, so they're not selling beer or wine. Um, that's one sort of issue. So like, you know, to a bigger grocery stores are fine. They have like a little cafe, yep. like they're probably okay. Um, the se- I would say the second level of weirdness is the quantity that you can purchase. So you can only yep. purchase, I believe it's two six packs. Yeah, the the, the ounce weight is a little bit more than the two six packs, but barely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barely, it's like it's whatever is a little bit more than two six packs. If you want more than that, you have two options. You can go to a distributor and buy an entire case, or you can take those two six packs out to your car, come back in and buy two more six packs, and take those out to your car. (laughs) It is a nightmare. Um, I've done that. Is I've done them all. Um, but that's a, I'd say, low level explanation of how bad Pennsylvania beer yeah. laws are. So, uh, so going thing. to, it's glorious going to Trader Joe's yeah. and there, there wasn't a huge section, but I'm only thought this is, this is, I did that dream. I went to New York and then went to Wegmans and went back to the beer yeah. section. I was like, oh my God. And I, yeah. and then I remembered I could buy as much as I wanted. So I had yeah. an entire cart full of beer. And the person at the checkout register was like, are you, are you okay? What's that? Why do you have so much? I'm like, I live in Pennsylvania. I'm not allowed to buy yeah. this much. They did ask I, if so, I was having a party when we were checking out. And I was like, but selling one can at a time for one sixth of the price yeah. exactly. Normally, if they're selling one can, they'll like charge one and a half, you a know, higher. Yeah. they'll charge 50% premium or something. So mm-hmm. it, that was pretty cool too. So um, I know you're not quite ready to drink yet, but what is your beer of choice for today? I, I will or say I'm close. I, I did check online for how long to leave beer on ice. Uh, so I'm uh, I'm in the DMV, so the Delaware, Maryland, Virginia area. I'm in the DC area, so I have a DeClaw. I gotta make sure I don't get my laptop okay. wet. DeClaw Brewery. I have a Sour Me America Rocket Pop Sour Ale, uh, tart cherry, raspberry, and lime. It says are the flavors. Uh, actually, it was probably cold, and I had been in there for ten minutes, and it was in a fridge before, so I'll yeah, crack it open. Yeah. I'll drink with you. So a uh, rocket pop flavored sour. Nice. I'm very excited. Nice, nice. If only it was pink. Like I feel like it's not going to be. Nope, it's not pink. They really missed an opportunity here. So yeah, cheers, cheers, Matt. I will be drinking a tiny little hotel room cup. So I'll be pouring multiple times. Not to put it back on ice. That's uh, my one. That's not not a bad not a bad plan. Not a bad plan. <laughs> so today uh, we were going to talk about a topic that uh, you know in our pre podcast conversation jadrian says he doesn't really know much of that much about i've studied it a little bit more and i actually have taught about it in principles classes because at susquehanna our principles classes are four credits instead of three so i feel like we could dive into some other topics and that is the issue of school vouchers which the opinions that you probably have are either i don't know that much about it otherwise you probably feel very strongly one way or another this is um, an issue that most people do have pretty strong opinions on yeah um, and i'm on the i don't know anything about it side uh, so for those of you listening uh matt will be teaching me about school vouchers uh and i will be asking i hope very good questions about the school voucher proposal so the reason we bring it up right matt um matt is in pennsylvania so i guess yep. we should say by the time this comes out relatively old news uh but my understanding is the governor of pennsylvania has vetoed the school voucher vetoed, plan, yep right he vetoed a school voucher plan recently which he actually campaigned to on yes. um but in a number of other states have passed it within the past couple of years so it's mm-hmm. been a really big renaissance i guess in the uh, idea of school vouchers or parental choice or whatever you want to whatever whatever kind of plan you want to call that i think i think it's like six seven eight somewhere in that ballpark of um 
of areas have done this. And so the, the most fervent opposition I've always received has been from those who are public school teachers. Mm-hmm. That's been the most fervent opposition, uh, who I think as a general rule, right, you can always find some who would not follow the rule, generally stunningly dedicated, work really hard, pay is ranges in some states from reasonably fair to other states. You're like, wow, that's really, that, that seems pretty yeah. low. I think that's the range you see on that. Um, and some can get really upset and think this is horrible. And if you're one of those teachers, let me say that I actually think these plans could be good for you. I mean, that's my my take on it is the competition could be good, especially for the most dedicated teachers. Hopefully you'll hear us out, even if you uh, feel strongly one way or another. And uh, listen, well, let, me, let me chime in for a second here, because okay, this is where I'm going to add something. But one other option, right? I, I hear this from teachers regularly. Again, like you said, right, I, definitely there are places that pay well and in places that pay awful as well. Um, but one of the things I often hear in the teaching market is that right, classrooms are getting too big and there's too many students in our public schools. And so while this might be super helpful for like, right, yeah. uh, like you said, the really great teachers, it could also help lower the number of students in the classroom, which would allow you to do more, kind of more hands-on sure. stuff with them too, right? That, I mean, that's, I know that that's a big issue along a lot of teachers, right? We have these teacher yeah. shortages that have been around for decades. Like I, I don't, my, like I'm not old, but I feel like I've never heard of a time where we didn't have a teacher shortage. Uh, so, uh, if, you know, if there was ever, if those of you who are familiar, if, if we didn't have teacher shortages before, please let me know when that was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but I guess right, this would help, right? If students are coming out of that school going somewhere else, a private school. Well, I mean, as long as it doesn't didn't change the net amount of teachers, I'm not a hundred percent that would, unless they could figure out some yeah. alternative way. But I mean, so I guess I, we could back up a little bit. The, Every state who might who proposes it might have a different idea, but the general idea, I guess, on a school voucher, I'm, I assume most people would understand, have an idea. But in case you don't, uh, everybody pays taxes essentially for to the public schools. If you have, if you have kids, they may go then to the public schools for no monetary cost; they go for free. Um, if you would like to send your kid somewhere else. Uh, you still pay your taxes that go to fund the public schools, but then you also have to pay extra. You pay whatever the other school would want. What a school voucher plan, you know, once again, it could be a million varieties, but the general idea is you would, if you decide not to send your kid to the public school, because if you sent them to the public school, there'd be some cost for them going, you would instead receive a voucher for some amount um, often it's less than the average amount per student, whether mm-hmm. it's less than the marginal amount, you know, the additional yeah. amount that that's, you know, once again, it could vary based on how you set things up. You could receive some voucher that could offset the payment to another institution. So I think that's a, that's a general working definition of that. And even within Pennsylvania, which doesn't have a full voucher system, there are ways you can opt out to do cyber schooling. Right, which I think I've heard of the cyber school, at least in Pennsylvania, I've heard of that part. Yeah, which um, I I don't know of the evidence on it. I know that some people who are huge cyber school proponents would say it's amazing. I've heard a number of people say the quality is not necessarily there, but um, Mm -hmm. I I can't speak to be an expert on that. But then there are a number of states that that have passed this. So that's I think that's a good general working definition for voucher. I'll chime in. Yeah, yeah, I'll chime in with my first question then. Would it apply to like homeschooling? So if I were to take my kids and not school them at all, could I get a voucher to essentially fund my teaching of children of my child? 
So this is the weird part where like any given state could set up any given could do rules. It. Okay. I do right. not believe that is in the rules. That's not, a co- that's not like a common part component. Not that okay. I know of. Um, okay. And part of the idea is, I mean, Milton Friedman was really big on discussing school vouchers even back mm-hmm. like in the 60s. Uh, I believe it is part of capitalism and freedom in, in that book, which was a 61 release. The kind of a key component, if you want to set it up right, You've got to make sure that you don't have a parent who can then like end up pocketing money by doing wrong by mm-hmm. their kid, right? That That's one thing that they try to say. And I think homeschooling might violate that. Okay. That so I'll, I'll start with, I'll try to give, um you know, more of an act. Like what are some of the, what are the key arguments against school vouchers that I know of? Um, I mean, there could be more. The ones that I hear most often um, are one is that it could, um, blur the lines on the issue of separation of church and state. Okay. That's that's like that's kind of a key criticism that you might hear, hmm. right? Because it's this, it's public tax dollars going right. to a private school. Okay. That's one I key thought cri- about that. That's kind of a key criticism that you've I've heard. The second one that I think I you'll hear a little bit more often is that it will decrease the quality of public schools and then the students who are left at the public schools um would suffer more. Would you know, if they're in a failing school, um, you know, if you have kids leaving there, the revenue coming into that school district drops because it's going to a parent who's sending their student somewhere else. Um, then that the school quality would drop. Do they have to cut teachers? Do they have to mm-hmm. have bigger classes? Whatever. That's that's the other main argument against. I'm sure we could find, um, you know, you could find others. I think those are the two biggest uh arguments so i guess along those lines you would have a an inequality argument that okay so there's a lot of underlying assumptions that i think there's always the tough part about talking about about these sorts of topics right so we're making a couple underlying assumptions in the sense that right it's wealthy parents who are affording to take their children out of school to then send them to a private school for example right because they're still they're going to pay for the private school but not as much as they would before most so private schools, right. most private schools tuition are quite a bit yeah. lower than the average cost of a public school student yeah. in terms of so, the revenue it receives. In terms of right, the low quality, high quality part, right? Like, so some of that assumption is that the private school is a better school than the public school. Uh, but there are, right, there are great public, uh, this goes back to kind of what you're saying earlier, right? That there is always exceptions to the rule. But like on average, uh, we assume that private schools are generally better in some, in some measure of small class sizes. Yeah. That's a, good, that's a good question. I don't know that. Yeah. I think in some areas that's true. I mean, I've always felt pretty happy. I think where I live, we have a mm-hmm. really good school district. Our kids have gotten right. a, a good education. Is it perfect? Of course, it's not perfect. No, I mean, what school yeah. districts are. Well, uh, and there are so private like, schools around here who that I'm sure are perfectly good. Um, and I know people who've gone there, but I'm I'm pretty happy with that. Right. I think there are some schools that are failing kind of so poorly mm-hmm. that it'd be tough to argue the private schools. Yeah. Are, are... No, so I, I guess I, I say that only in the sense of, right, if we think about it from a rational standpoint, right, I would take my kid out of the public school and into the private school right. if I thought the private school was better. Yes. Right, whatever that metric is, whether it's academic, social life, uh, religious views, uh, sports, right, like whatever the metric mm-hmm. is. Um, otherwise, right, if I thought the public school was better, I'd leave them in the public school. Um, okay, so... 
I guess, right, like I would add on to it, right? And again, I, I'm going to go back to, I don't know anything about it. So if I'm absolutely wrong, right, throw, throw me under the bus. Um, so I guess another con then would be this sort of inequality type situation where if the private schools are better, you are taking people who can afford to take their kids out and move them into a private school. So you might exacerbate that issue if we already assume the private schools are better. Then we're right, we're lowering public school and the people yeah. left behind are getting a worse education, right? So you sort of have this inequality so, type. So you could argue that. Although I suspect that we would actually see the opposite because I think wealthy families, wealthy families are already sending their kids to private schools. Right. A lot. Not so all, of course, yeah. but a lot are. This opens up the opportunity for those who, you know, can't afford $10,000 a year for their two kids, but maybe could afford $1,000 a year mm -hmm. uh, per kid for their two kids to move into a different school district. So I think on net, it would decrease... It, it might decrease that what I would, I, you know, my biggest worry, like, and I'm, I'm generally pretty pro market on this. I think it should be, a, we should be more of a, I don't know, voucherized is the right verb, but uh, the, this is going to sound really horribly condescending, but uh, any parents who literally just don't care enough to think about it and do it, those mm -hmm. kids would be the ones who are, quote unquote stuck in a public school right and, and to that extent if you're already starting out with parents who literally don't don't care enough to do anything on this front to mm -hmm. invest the time and knowledge to figure out what to do for their kids they're, they're probably already starting a little bit behind and then these are the ones who are and then they're still in the school with only the other kids who are in the same boat so i, I do i do see a little bit i think they're it opens up more opportunities for those who have lower and middle incomes to afford. Okay. So I guess that. the other, the only other portions would be, right. So it'd be funding of public schools in general. Um, right. So if this money is sort of reallocated, you have, you have high school, middle school campuses that are built for a certain population size, um, right. Require some sort of maintenance upkeep uh, that I guess essentially you would not have the funds for that. So I, I would think about it in a sense of, um, like a subsidization type program, right? Yeah. Like you have wealthier students subsidizing the bus system, for example, right? They may not be taking the bus, but they're going to that school. So some of that money is going towards helping busing to bring students in. So you might lose some of that, right? So I guess you can think about it from a public investment standpoint in terms yeah. of campus infrastructure, fewer students, right? The classrooms yeah. don't get updated as often, don't get painted as often, that sort of yeah. Kind of thing. In another, I mean, I, I guess that relates to a con I didn't mention, and it's not really brought up as much. But if you're asking me what are the what are the costs of this, in my mind, I'm like, what would the perfect, you know, I don't know about perfect, but what would a much better system be? It would be literally there was, you know, the public schools aren't there um, like 50 years from now. And it's there's all sorts of private schools. You have to send your kid to one. Some of them are cost lower than the voucher costs. Others aren't. Um, and maybe you have to pay a little bit more. And it's a free market. You know, it's a market system. It's, yeah. I think market systems are good. Um to me, that would be like this wonderful world that we could be in. I think everybody would be a bit happier. But to get there, there's going to be some enormous transaction costs because mm -hmm. you have a building built to house, you know, I'll think in Sealands Grove, I'm guessing the high school can hold probably about 800 students or so. I'm just thinking 200 per class right. or maybe it's 900. Uh, what would happen? I mean, once again, I think it's a good school. I don't know how many would end up leaving it, but let's say a third of the students end up 
you know, if, if you're under a full plan leave, I think that's more than what would happen, but just to go through the example, well, now you have a building that could really hold 900 and requires the maintenance of a building mm -hmm. that could hold 900, but only has 600. And that's, that's, that's an, that's a very real cost that would be in a transition period that would not, it wouldn't be trivial to move over to a different type of system. So that one's mm -hmm. not mentioned as much as, as kind of a con, like a negative on the system. And you could, you know, look up a quick search. What are the negatives on, on moving to the system, you know, to this type of system? I think that's a negative, but yeah. we've talked a little negative, I, the positives, I think on this, mm -hmm. um, one, uh, I think competition, as an economist, right, we generally think markets do a lot of things well. They're not everything, right? There's market failures. Right now, the school system is essentially kind of a socialist system, right? I mean, you pay money and your kid gets to go, gets this product. This mm -hmm. is the product that's it's produced by the state. I mean, it is a government-produced education, <laughs> literally. And no, you're, you're not. Right. I just, I, ne I never thought that connection. So it's, I'm, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you're not, um, you're, you're not going to, when you don't have the, the same competition, you're likely not to see, seem the same innovations you might see in a market system. So I, I, that innovation could become, come way in terms of better educational quality, decreased costs, or a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. I think that's one huge benefit of it. Uh, Second, and I mean, this is a little bit more practical, but some of the schools that kids are stuck in are so bad that it's, it's, I mean, quite frankly, it's kind of heartbreaking, right? I'm like, we've talked a lot about like the various ideas on how blessed we are with things in life, right? Like, you know, I remember the previous episodes, we've talked about like not noticing gas prices as much because our commutes are so short. And one thing like I've, you know, very blessed to be in an area that's, that has a very good public school. So mm -hmm. I haven't had to worry about this. And I know a lot of the teachers are just super dedicated, awesome people. There are some schools that it would be a horrible, I wake up, I'd have nightmares that if my kids went to some of the schools that we have in this country, literally, like it would be horrible. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, I, and the idea that a kid is stuck there, right? To me, like, whereas if this thing provides some sort of a lifeline to get out for families that can't afford it, and I say that I wouldn't be sending my kids there. I would figure out some way, I don't care how, um, to be able to afford to send my kids somewhere else. And that's once again, a, the privilege I would have, but some families don't have that. To me, that's kind of the, I don't know. If you say this, it's about the most, you know, like the social justice aspect of it from my, like, that's not something I generally, you won't hear me saying like that, that phrase often like this is, but I, I think there's a little bit of that, right? I think the justice on that, I think that's a um, pro. A pro that I don't think you see mentioned very often is there's a lot of, um, I mean, there's a whole lot of controversies in the country right now over all sorts of issues with schools. What should be taught in schools? Should you have prayer in schools? What mm -hmm. books should be put in the libraries and schools and when you're forced to send your kids to a particular school and you're paying in the money to that like you're paying taxes right you feel like you have a right to dictate what goes on in that particular school but the school district has to have one set of policies on mm -hmm. what's what the curriculum is what the what is prayer allowed in, in a right. particular okay. school or not Whereas if you had this other system, um, if you think, you know what, I need my kids to go to a place where there's prayer in school, 
you could do that. Or if you're like, absolutely under no circumstances, do I want my kids going to a place where there's prayer in school? You could do that as well. If, um, you know, if there's something controversial going on, you could choose, you know, if there, there'd be a menu of schools and you could choose just, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not forced to drive a particular car or eat a particular set of food. I mean, I'm, I'm not big on organic foods and a lot of people are right. And we don't have this big controversy because it's not, we don't pay money into the government and then they tell us what we must eat. So I, I think that's, that's a benefit you don't hear mentioned as often, but I think it's actually a huge benefit in terms of kind of national issues. So knowing you, I'm surprised that wasn't your first choice because when we talked about NIL deals, your number one piece was about people being able to freely do what they want to do as like part of just a natural sort of right. And I'm like, and that I think mirrors a lot of what you said in that previous one. So I'm actually a little surprised you didn't pick that as your first, as your first pro of just like, right. Like people should be allowed to choose so long as it's not, you know, directly hurting someone. I can't choose to hit you in the stomach. Uh, But like, it's my, it's my family, my decision, um, similar to in the NIL case. I'm surprised it's just that it wasn't your first pro. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if I rank ordered what 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 my ordering would be necessarily on okay. those, on on the pros. So I think those are the those are what are mentioned as the various positives that could come out of this. And it, it's an issue that has a fair amount of support, really bipartisan. You know, it's it's kind of an interesting issue that's got bipartisan support. Uh, it's the teachers unions are opposed to it naturally because it may pull kids from public schools into private schools. I think right trying to put on the politics hat, what happened in Pennsylvania is uh, Josh Shapiro's, say, probably more of a moderate Democrat, but Democratic Party gets far more contributions from teachers unions. My guess is there were a few phone calls placed. I don't know for sure. And that's probably part of why he moved back on what his campaign, because he literally campaigned on opening up some about, you know, doing a little bit more on the voucher side. So I... I mean, I know, again, I know very little about teaching markets for multiple reasons, mostly because I, I don't have kids, so I don't, right now I don't care about the school district. Um, so I'm going to add this as a pro later in a second, then I'm going to come back to this. Um, but I do know that, like, right on average, private school teachers do make less money uh, than public school teachers. And often the, at least the, the reason given is the compensating differential reason that working in a private school is just more pleasant and working in a public school is less pleasant. And when you're doing something less pleasant, you should get paid more money. Um, I've often seen that sort of, you know, parents are more involved with private school, the classes are smaller. Um, and so I wonder if, you know, maybe as just an opposition level, private school teachers tend to be less likely to be unionized versus public school teachers. Some of them are, some of them aren't. Um, and so I wonder if part of that is this idea of, you know, you have a you have a shift, obviously, to more demand for private school teachers. So we would expect wage, you know, salaries to go up there in a sector that is less likely to be unionized than a sector that is unionized on the other side. So I wonder, at least on, on the teacher side, if that's part of the rationale, right? Like is, yes, there'd be an increase in demand, but they don't get paid as much. And so yeah. you're seeing drops in pay for teachers. So that's, as I, as I, come, as I walk through, I was going to say, I have a pro that I'm going to save on my, on my back, on the, on the back no. of this comment. It, it, it's a good question. I would imagine the private school salaries would likely go up a little bit if it becomes much more common. Like if there is more options and it's more people were sending their, their kids to private schools. I don't know in the public schools. I mean, it is unionized contracts. So I, I don't know what yeah. would end up happening 
on those. So that that would be an it would be an interesting question, right? I mean, there's some economic theorist somewhere is going to model this out with yeah. some elaborate mathematical equations. <laughs> it's not going to be us. No, uh, so no. as I as I was I started that comment, I realized another potential pro. Um, and I don't know if Stephenstrom is like this, but at least I know State College was like this. Um, I would often hear that part of the reason housing prices were so high in State College was because the State College school district was so amazing. Um, you were not necessarily purchasing a house that's really worth a ton of stuff, but so many people wanted to live in State College to be able to put their kids in the school district. And so I wonder if allowing people to move around would... I, I don't want to say it's not a bubble, but it, right, it takes some of the pressure yes. off of really popular housing markets um, that, you know, popular housing markets because of school districts, not so much because of any other amenity or something like that. I would think it should equalize things out a little bit. Yeah, which yes. um, once again, in it's, the short term could cause some winners and some losers. I think in the long mm -hmm. term, most people would agree, you know, it's probably good not to have bubbles in areas because they have a super great <laughs> school district, right? It's probably yeah. not an appealing feature of our society. Yeah. Like, I know, I know that that Blacksburg is very similar to that. Like, we were warned, like, as we were, like, searching for houses, they were like, you know, this is where Virginia Tech is. There's not a lot else going on here. Like, it's all yeah. professors. Yep. They want to put their kids in a good school. And I was like, that's so, like, as I was working, there, I was like, that's so weird. And I, this goes back to, right, I don't, I don't have kids. And so, I know that this is a, and I've heard it from other parents. So Matt, I think you're going to echo this statement as well. It really does matter what school district you put yeah. your kid in. And I, yeah. I think you said that earlier, right? There's school districts you would never send your kids to. Um, and so I, I often wonder if there is a recognition that there are school districts that are so bad, is there not some other policy, right? So let's, let's play the third I guess the third leg of this, you know, if yeah. school vouchers don't pass, what does that say as for us as a society that recognizes there are bad school districts and we just let there continue to be bad school districts? <laughs> I don't, that's, I, I'm yeah. really surprised, right? That there are school districts so bad that you would not put your kids in. And I think about, right, Matt, you as a, you are a, you have a PhD in economics. You are like, you like they taught your kids so much more than any other average parent, I'll yeah. say, probably. Um, would your kids have been just as fine in a different school district? I don't know, right? Like, no, no I mean, some I of them, I don't, don't. I mean, some are so bad, I don't know that they feel safe, quite frankly. I mean, in some area, not, I, I don't know that that happens around here. Uh, but no, I, I definitely think that it matters. My parents um, actually moved, we moved from the, an area in St. Paul, Minnesota, right before I went into eighth grade to Roseville, Minnesota, which was actually a little bit nicer area then than it, I think it is now. Um, but part of the reason they go, well, we're going to pay a little bit more in taxes, but we would have paid a whole lot more if we were to send you to private schools and you couldn't go to the, this high school wouldn't have been yeah. good, right? You shouldn't have gone yeah. to this high school. Well, so the part that's of the thing with, with I would say that's the thing with good schools, right? Is you're not just getting necessarily maybe better teachers, but Right, access to AP courses, organization. Um, there's so much, I don't want to say non-academic, but like not directly what's happening in the classroom, but just like more opportunities when you're at a good school sure. compared to other ones. So, I mean, I guess there's already tons of inequality in the school district from, for example, professors moving into a city and, and you have a high tax rate 
and housing prices are high. So you pay lots of taxes and then the school gets better. And yep. yep. Um, no, I think you're right. Based a school that's rational. And I think most of the pub, most public schools will do this, right? You'll try to craft your, you know, what the extras you offer based on who your student population is, right? That, mm-hmm. that makes some sense. So if you have a, an area that has a high percentage of kids with PhDs, you'll offer more AP classes and advanced classes mm-hmm. and college prep classes. Um, Sealands Grove has this interesting mix um, where there's a fair amount of that. And there's actually a fair amount of um, really good technical education here, mm-hmm. you know, including partnerships with like SunTech and other places where students could go on and get more technical training. Um, once again, I, I think been very happy you know i mean you could always point out things right nothing's perfect i could not right. going to complain about what i don't like on a podcast but you know there's a couple <laughs> things i could point out but for the most part i think it's been it's been a really great area here so yeah um there are you know this is a college town so there's mm-hmm. a reasonable amount of kids who parents are at susquehanna in every single yeah. grade and that's that that's that's an advantage so let me throw this i guess back as our maybe a final on against it because i'm gonna go back to one of the things you said earlier and i'm trying to uh, trying to rationalize trying to process out these pros and cons um the idea of moving students around i think you listed this one like con right is that some people argue that you're sort of leaving behind some students in a bad school district um and i wonder if that might be worse than we are probably giving it credit for just because of what you just said of things like AP classes, college prep classes, you need a certain class size in order to offer it, right? Your school has to be big enough in order to offer AP Latin. I don't know, I'm going to pick something very specific, right? AP Latin, um, right? And so if you lose some students, you don't have to lose an entire classroom's worth of students. Yeah. But if you lose half of a classroom, you may not offer AP Latin. Um, or you might not offer some of these other AP courses um, versus, right, like they move and then they can take it somewhere else. Yeah, so yeah. I wonder if, I guess on, from that standpoint, I guess the leaving students behind in a bad school might actually make, it could make some of the really bad schools even worse off um, if they lose even just the ability to access a college prep course, an AP course, an advanced course, something like that. Um, but I think about it even just like small schools that don't have, uh, enough students for certain clubs or they don't have enough yeah, st- yeah. students to have a soccer team right like i, I try to think about it like a like what happens if a school shrinks down to these really small schools that have very very few things mm-hmm. they could still be really good academically uh, but we you know that's always the thing when we think about students who are applying to colleges um you know we look at students who went to schools at a place like i'm gonna again pick on state college if we were to compare a student who went to school at state college they'll have they've taken 10 AP courses and they're on three different sports teams and they're in seven different clubs. And then you compare it with a student with the same GPA, but at a really small school and they have one AP club, but it's because they yeah. only offered, right? They took a hundred percent of what their school offered. Yeah. Um, and so it's really hard on the academic side. Like once you get to college thinking about, well, how do you compare these two schools, right? Could that student who only had one AP course, would they have done more had their school offered it sure. versus the big school, they have, you know, they took 10, but their school offers AP yeah, Latin. I'm yeah. going to keep picking on AP Latin. Um, so yeah, I, 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 in that I, I, sense, I, making it worse, right? Yeah, you know, I think that's that's probably a, a pretty real con. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's there. So no, I think that's a good con. Now, be interested, uh, yeah, I, for, those who are, for those who are listening, if you have uh, strong views one way or another or anything you thought we missed, I think, leave yeah. us a comment on 
the you know either on the Substack or one of the providers or on YouTube. Uh, I, I, Jadrian, I don't know if you've checked this out. Uh, last I saw, we actually had we had a perfect five star rating with ten reviews on Spotify. So thank you to everybody who has gone to Spotify for that. We appreciate that. Apple Podcasts, we have a perfect five star as well with two reviews. So okay, I did I did log in. I I have a Mac, but I logged into my Apple account and I, okay. I left myself five stars. So okay, for um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's me and you. Although I think I attempted to, and Amanda said she attempted to, and you attempted to, okay. and so far we only have two up there. So I don't know how that happens. But anyways, um, they know it's co- your your two are coming from the same account. And they're like, this is the same IP address. Yeah, same. same, same this is from Sealand Scrub. It only gets one. So the um, but no, appreciate everybody who's done that. And Jader, I didn't even tell you this, but uh, Charlotte, who you've heard her name, she's our awesome editor and amazing editor. Rising Charlotte, if you've made it, if you've made it this far, Charlotte, thank you for everything. Yes, thank you. And she's uh, a <laughs> rising junior at Susquehanna. She is looking in, and we are looking to get stickers made, economics happy hour stickers. And if you buy them in bulk, they're actually pretty reasonable, which is good because <laughs> yeah. um, but if you are going to jet set, we should have them. And I didn't even tell you this, Jadrian. We should have stickers by Jet Set. So we'll be able to, if you're going to Jet Set, we'll be able to pass them out. If you are not going to Jet Set um, and you would like an economics happy hour sticker, leave a you know five-star uh, rating and a short positive review. Just take a mm-hmm. screenshot and email it to, it to us at economicshappyhour at gmail.com or just to either of us if you find our email addresses. And we will be thrilled to email you one or multiple stickers uh, for economics happy hour, and those should be out by the time you're listening to this. So fantastic! That's good news. I need. I have space on my laptop. I, I know exactly where I'm going to leave that sticker. That's cool. Yeah. So that's that's pretty cool. So we do like to uh, talk a little bit of pop culture. Uh, any, uh, I, I have one that's not related to school vouchers, Ooh. but it is related to a topical event. If you want me to go first, let's have you go first, and mm-hmm. I will furiously try to come up with something. Yeah, I've come up, try not to do something you've done before like I did last week. So. Okay. Um, Matt has this great clip from Star Wars, and it's yes. going to be about discrimination. No, this one, so this is, uh, I'm going to share my screen so I can show this clip okay. to Jadrian, and we're going to put it in. If you are, I think this one will be safe to show um, and to listen to. This is the wrong one. Um, school vouchers thing. Okay, so. We talked before about behavioral economics and weight loss bets. It is the World Series of Poker time. And uh, I don't know if we've talked about it here, but poker is one of my one of my real interests. I love playing. There's a You wrote a, you wrote a paper on it, didn't you? Yeah, I've written some papers yeah. using online poker stuff and uh Game in State College I'll play. I'm um I love tournaments and so the World Series of Poker, it's just it's awesome. So while there's no real, you know, there's Major League Baseball now and hardly anything else, I feel like there's so much content because we're in the, today is day four. As we speak today, they're playing on the bubble of the World Series of Poker. Mm-hmm. So you paid $10,000 and there were 10,000 entrants and 1,500 of them make the money. So the first 8,500 people who lose get zero. And then there is a cutoff line where one person gets zero and the next gets $15,000 back. And the bubble is so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. So that's going on right as we speak. This is off topic. But this is actually about a weight loss bet that a couple poker players made. And we talked about behavioral economics and weight loss bets. But mm-hmm. I'm going to show the clip uh, for those who are 
listening will play a little bit of the clip as well. Forrest will double up again and stay alive. Ted Forrest with his own taste of celebrity. He played himself in the film Lucky You. So that double up brings some relief to a man whose mind at the moment is utterly consumed each and every minute by a very bizarre and outrageous prop bet with Mike Matisso. We were at the Commerce Club and and somehow this crazy bet just came up. He's like, I bet to a million I can get down to 139. And I'm like, it's impossible. Right now I weigh 159. I've lost 25 pounds, another 20 to go. I feel great. I feel a lot better than when I was 184. It's, it's hysterical to watch him like walking and running on every break, realizing that no matter how much he runs, he, his body has not won't go below 161. <laughs> I try to walk and or run 10 or 12 miles a day. As soon as he like eats anything for like, because he's starving himself trying to do it right now, he'll like gain back like 10, 15 pounds. If I was a fighter, I would fight at 145. I mean, that's just the size of my frame. Dario Maneri weighs like 145. I mean, you're talking about like minuscule, crazy stuff. Yes! It'll be the easiest two million I'll ever make in my life. More power to him. If he wants to try and kill himself, I just made sure we wrote down in the will that I get paid. If he dies, that's all. <laughs> so Ted Forrest and Mike Mattisau have the bet. Ted for these are both very accomplished poker players. Ted Forrest is risking one hundred thousand dollars of his own money against two million of Mike Mattisau's. That Ted Forrest could go in the set time frame from one hundred and eighty-four pounds. To 139 pounds. <laughs> so we talked about weight loss bets and the idea of like, what are the incentives to lose weight? And this gets a little bit out of hand, right? Like this isn't going down to a healthy weight. It's going down to a crazy weight. Matt, you're trying to lose a hundred pounds. You're trying to lose a hundred dollars if you're wrong. <laughs> Imagine a $2 million bet. Well, no, $100,000, not $100. No, no, but I'm saying when you, when you were trying to lose weight, you said, oh, yeah. I'll give somebody a hundred dollars. Yes. And it, got, it motivated me, right? This guy's getting two million dollars if he wins, and he'd lose a hundred grand. And so the motivation on that. And if you're listening on the podcast and you're not watching, you're you're watching him do all these crazy exercises trying to figure out how to how to lose the weight. Um, he did end up. I believe there was a buyout for the bet. So once he got close enough, um, Mike Matisau realized, okay, he he he's probably going to get there. Um, mm -hmm. but it's going to be a lot of pain and torture. So he, he bought it, he paid him, but not, I don't think he had to pay him quite as much. I think that's how it ended yeah. up. I, <laughs> I haven't looked up the story on that, but, but we've, we talked a little bit about the idea of incentives, um, weight loss incentives earlier, given it's world series of poker time. I thought that'd be a fun one to share. No, that's good. Um, I, I went, I went into the econ media library cause I want to find a school one. Um, so I, I don't have anything on school vouchers. So that doesn't pop that's up. That's a in tough one culture. to find. I think. <laughs> I mean, the day you find that in a show, you're gonna you're gonna rep that for weeks. Um, but I did find one that was related to something we talked about, which I think was is a really good uh, a really good one. So it's from Chris Rock's stand up special uh, that he did years ago. Um, so back in 2018, so pre pandemic. Um, he, it, there's a small little sliver in there where he talks about taking his kid uh, to her high school orientation. And getting like the spiel from the principal of like, you know, work hard, study, you can be anything that you want to be. Uh, and his pitch is basically like, why are you lying to these kids? They can't be anything they want to be. Uh, they can be anything they're good at, uh, as long as they're hiring. And th so it's like this nice little like recognition of right, like the, our limits and what you can actually learn in school and stuff like that. 
And he has a nice little joke in there. And he's like, you're a vice principal. Is that what you wanted to be? Were you a small child who's like, I'm going to be a vice principal today? Uh, so there's a good a good part in there about, you know, he has stuff about human capital and uh, signaling and all that sort of good stuff. So I figured I'll, I'll squeeze that into the show notes and uh, in the pop culture clips. I, Chris Rock has Chris Rock has some shockingly good economic examples yeah. in a lot of his stand up. Uh, earlier, earlier, we had the minimum yeah. wage one where mm-hmm. that, that you shared. So, no, that that's that's a good one. We'll try to we'll see. We're going to experiment with trying to integrate these into at least the YouTube videos mm-hmm. over, over the next stretch. So, well, Jadrian, I know you're traveling over the next couple of weeks. I hope you have a good trip. Thank you. Got a little bit left. Um, to everybody who's listened, thank you so much. We do appreciate all the listener comments, all the suggestions. We got some really good suggestions for future topics, which mm-hmm. we do plan on integrating into uh, some future episodes. Yep. Any final words of wisdom before your before mm-hmm. your trip? Matt, I appreciate you teaching me about school vouchers. I feel significantly better educated because I used to just always sort of, I would hear people talking about school vouchers. I sort of just turned it off and went to the next thing. Uh, so I feel at least a little bit better about actually what's going no. on. So I might have to, we might have to do a few more of these where you teach me some things. Well, I, I, we got to do the opposite sometimes. So <laughs> what, what's, what is the topic you know a ton about and I know very little about? We'll find, we'll find something. That there, there are, I'm sure there are a lot. So, <laughs> but have a great trip and, uh, Awesome. The next time I see you, it won't be over video. Next time we see you and we record, it will be in person at Jet Set where we will be mm-hmm. uh, talking to some other educators. So we'll have some special guests for the future episodes. And our listeners will get to hear live versions of us in the room with other people too. So future episodes coming up, we don't know when, but future episodes will include some uh, additional friends. It will be it will be good. So well, until next time, cheers. Cheers. Cheers, Matt.